Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, January 25th, 2011. Cannot believe it is almost the end of January. We're like a twelfth of the way through the year. Spring is coming. Oh, soon, I hope. Yeah, I love the snow, but I'm looking forward to being able to get outside again. It's just a little not fun when you go outside, just, you know, just saying. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment. The goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and, well, unfortunately, we've got to tackle these things because there are, there's a whole lot of folks in the church who are taking these false teachers and false prophets seriously. And, uh, and as a result of it, there's just really silly things being said out there in the name of God and also some really dumb things being done in the name of God as well. And, uh, and so we cover it here. We try to have a little bit of fun along the way and, um, you know, go at it from there. Now, uh, those of you who follow me on Facebook, those of you who follow me on Twitter, and those of you who subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, as well as also on the blog, you know that last night we launched the Letter of Mark Journal. And I got to tell you, I'm excited about this. Uh, there's a few reasons why I'm excited about it. Number one, finally, I've come up with a format that I like. And uh, and by the way, it's available in both PDF and EPUB. Now I'm still working on the uh, the Kindle thing. I've I've got to figure out how to make Amazon happy because Amazon ain't happy unless they're getting money in the Kindle format. So I, I'm working all of this out. We're, we are going to be offering some uh, uh, book titles. Uh, we're going to be republishing them uh, in Kindle and EPUB and uh, make those available for sale. Uh, one of the things, you know, I got to tell you is, uh, uh, in a former life, a former career, if you would, I, I did graphic design, uh, web development and things like that. And, uh, and I did a lot of, uh, I've done a lot of desktop publishing in my, in my time. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not the best Photoshopper, but, uh, I, I, I know my way around Photoshop and Illustrator and stuff like that because I did graphic design and, um, Got to tell you, the EPUB format uh, is um, uh, how do I put it? It's testy. It 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 it's not 
it's not as simple as what you see is what you get. WYSIWYG is, I think, is the uh, the shorthand for that. And uh, and so I, you know, it, it took me some time to kind of figure out what it is that this EPUB format wanted in order for it to work properly and for it to look the way I wanted it to look. Yeah, you know, there's certain ways in which you have to work in in uh, in InDesign, which is the uh, the desktop publishing program that I use. I use. Uh, um, I'm on InDesign CS5, although I haven't upgraded Photoshop or Illustrator, you know, to CS5. I use CS4. That's more than enough power and under the hood for what I use Photoshop and Illustrator for. But anyway, uh, so I got InDesign five uh, CS5, and uh, and it 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 exports directly to EPUB. But you know, it it hmm it, it, the problem is is that it, uh, the epub format uses cascading style sheets and uh, i've always been kind of lazy i haven't really gotten into cascade and, you know i'm probably talking nerd talk here you know it, it, in fact many of you are sitting there going what is he what's a cascading style sheet and who cares about <laughs> sorry i'm having one of those nerd moments anyway the 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 long and the short of it is is listen those of you who have uh, like a uh, you know a Barnes and Noble Nook, you have an iPad, you have an iPhone, you have uh, you know that can read EPUB, or you have like an Android that has like the Nook, or uh, you know. Anyway, the point is is that you can read it on your in your uh, your ebook reader, and uh, it's native to that. And I'm still working on the Kindle version, and the the issue is not being able to generate the Kindle uh, format. Generating it's not hard. Uh, it's that um, Amazon wants to charge money uh, for you know the, for uh, making it available on their website, or wants me to charge money, and then they get you know they get thirty percent of the cut, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's like, but it's not uh, we're not charging for it. Well, then there's a there's an uploading fee. Oh, there's a. What? <laughs> Yeah, so I yeah, um I'm not I'm not that thrilled with Amazon at the moment because uh uh for what we want to we want to make it available for free, they want to charge for it. It's like, yeah, um so working that out, working that out. I think we we we, fa- we may have found a way to make it possible. <sighs> anyway, I'll keep you posted. That's all I can say. And and uh, but I was really excited when uh, we finally got this thing finished and we put the PDF out last night. On the letter of Mark Journal, and uh, this morning uh, we're finally able to get the kinks worked out of the EPUB format and get that posted. And I am just thrilled, absolutely thrilled. It looks it looks wonderful. It looks exactly the way I want it to look. And you'll notice that uh, there's little piratey themes uh, in it. It's <laughs> that's on purpose. You know, it's like what's the point of having a pirate Christian radio journal, a letter of Mark, if uh, you know if you can't have little pirate flourishes and stuff like that in there but anyway listen download it if you uh, if you don't have an epub reader get the pdf if you uh, if you prefer the epub download the epub and read this it's good i mean i think it's like 60 pages long and this is like book pages i mean i i used a book format for this trade uh, a trade paperback size and um, you, you you need to read the stuff that I'm sending out in the journal. And the reason why is because this is the stuff that will build you up and take you deeper. And all this raving I've been doing about the uh, Apology of the Augsburg Confession uh, on justification, well, we're making that available. As, as you know, it, it, it's, We're breaking it up into two parts. 
part one in this month's edition. Part two will come out in next month's edition. But download and read. Download. that You have homework. I'm giving you homework. You listeners of Fighting for the Faith. You download it and read it. Now you're going, where do I get it from? Okay, glad you asked. You can, if you are a subscriber to the podcast via iTunes, yeah, it, it, you know, uh, go into your uh, iTunes podcast, and wouldn't you know it? There it is. It's, I mean, it's it shows up like as an episode, and all you have to do is uh, click on the download button, and it'll it'll put it on your desktop. And in the uh, the metadata, in the description there uh, for for it, there's a link if you want to download the EPUB. Unfortunately, the um, podcast program that I use doesn't allow you to link to EPUB. Documents you can uh, you can link to MP3s, M4As, uh, you can uh, and PDFs, but you cannot link to an, a .epub anyway. So uh, there the the link is there for it. Now, if you want to surf into a website and find it that way, the way you do it, go to fightingforthefaith.com. And I know many of you are like way behind, you know. And uh, and I know that what you really need is is like a Chris standstill prayer so that you can catch up with your podcasting. Well, unfortunately, those things don't work. Um, so uh, <laughs> you, you, I know that you're listening to this and you're going, okay, Chris put this out on January 25th, and today's Valentine's Day. That's how far behind you are. No problem. Listen, you listen at your own pace. Don't feel bad. The idea, what you do, go to fightingforthefaith.com and. In the uh, topics, you know, you know, the, it, on the website, you'll see that there's different topics. You the Law and Gospel, uh, Secret Sensitive Christianity 101. There is a topic. There is a, a headline that says Letter of Mark Journal. And it, it's not M-A-R-K. It's M-A-R-Q-U-E. Yeah, it, it, it's, again, pirate theme. The, the idea here is, is that if you study history, then you know that Pirating at one time, you know, in certain times in human history, has been legal. Yeah, it, it, and and the way it would be legal is if you owned a ship, you know, a vessel. Usually back then it was, you know, they were wooden vessels. Uh, you would get a letter of mark from the king that would basically was a hunting license, and you would you would use your letter of mark as a hunting license, and you would pirate and plunder. From enemy vessels, okay, uh, en- uh, from other merchant marines that were supplying the enemy, you would you would attack their ships, and you would take their stuff. That's what we do here at Fighting for the Faith, and, uh, and in fact, Pirate Christian Radio, we have a letter of mark from the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So that's that's our letter of mark if you would what is that first or second corinthians chapter 10 i i forget offhand but you get the idea anyway so that's why we named the journal what we did and uh i'm listen uh, uh, i will be writing articles for it i will be stealing articles i will be soliciting articles from different people to publish in the letter of mark journal and um the idea is is that we will publish it as often as we want to publish it, hopefully monthly. I can't promise that, but that's the, the general idea. And what we send out is there to help you go deeper, okay? I will be uh, selecting sermons. I will be selecting uh, different pieces that teach doctrinal theology. So we we might do an entire series on eschatology. We might do a series on 
on the attributes of God or the doctrine of the Trinity and actually back it up biblically. I might take pieces of the Lutheran confessions and tweak them against today's heretics uh, rather than let them sit there and, and constantly talk about heresies that have been, you know, that, you know, or heretics that have been dead and gone for thousands of years. I think it'd be better to take the Lutheran confessions and if, if kind of update them and, and target them at today's modern heretics, which uh, in many cases, they agree with uh, you know the heretics of the of the past. I might take an entire book written by an ancient church father, maybe something written by Augustine against Pelagius, and publish it in the letter of Mark Journal. Anything that I can do to get you to read this outside of today's minutia that passes off as Christian publishing, so that you can know number one. Uh, that there is a such thing as meaningful Christianity, in-depth Christianity, good conservative Christianity that isn't uh, tainted with all this shallow me-centered ism stuff, and uh, and yeah, yeah, just because you actually believe the Bible doesn't mean that you have to turn off your brain. You know, why is it that uh, it, it seems like the that uh, when somebody discovers real theology, they have a tendency to want to go liberal. And yet, there's no need for that. So, uh, no, in, in fact, uh, biblical Christianity is so much more vigorous than what's being presented today. So what? that's the idea. This is the ability to go in-depth and provide you with good, solid content. So, yeah, that's the idea. Letter of Mark Journal. You can get it at fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Letter of Mark Journal link, or it's right currently it's at the top of the page. And you you can select your either EPUB or PDF version that you would like to download and uh, read it, and uh, that's how we're going to distribute it. We're going to distribute it as an online thing. It's not. It's never going to be in print unless you take an article and you you know on your computer you hit the print button and you know. And but here's the deal. Um, everything that's in the, this edition of Letter of Mark, pirate it, d- distribute it, send it out. You know. Uh, we have a, a section that we did uh, a biblical study on the doctrine of original sin. If you, in fact, if you really want to own the doctrine of original sin, may I challenge you along these lines? Uh, uh, sit, sit down and teach this to somebody else. If uh, if you just happen to be one of those folks that attends a church where you have small groups and uh, you're a small group leader, uh, yeah. Print out this section on uh, the biblical study on uh, original sin and do an in-depth multi uh, multi-day series on this, where you go through all of those passages, which, by the way, are quoted out of context. Okay, you have to put them back into context when you teach this study. It's your job to put them back into context. Just because I gave you the shorthand verses that where the pa- where the important phrases are discussed, yeah, when you're teaching this. Uh, you need to put it back into context, and uh, and then teach it to somebody else. Uh, teach it to a coworker, t- uh, husband. Teach it to your wife, uh, father. Teach it to your children. Open up the scriptures. Put this back into context, and you're going to do a, a study on what does God teach about the doctrine of original sin. And then you'll notice at the end of it, I put I list seven things 
that 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 when you understand what the Bible teaches on this, I start off with a summary of what the doctrine of original sin is, and I give a whole bunch of passages that support this doctrine, put them back into context when you teach it, and then at the end you'll see what's condemned, what doesn't work, what what is contrary to what the Bible teaches on this. Okay, that's that's an important foundation. You got to get the uh, the diagnosis correct before you uh, can uh, uh, you know give the proper solution. The proper solution is the gospel. And when you understand the depth and the magnitude and the clarity with which God's word teaches the doctrine of original sin, oh, good night. I mean, he, you'll never go back to uh, a Joel Osteen or what. You'll knock. In fact, if you teach this properly and people understand what the Bible teaches on this, the gospel comes to life and heretics like, well, Joel Osteen fall by the wayside. Anyway, so I, I'm excited about this, just very excited about this, and I've and I've got all the templates set up, and so we're going to be publishing this, you know, often, hopefully monthly, maybe sometimes more than monthly, sometimes maybe longer than monthly. It doesn't matter. We're going to publish this as often as we can build up good stuff to send out. And I I got to tell you, I'm more than halfway through the next edition of the of the Letter of Mark Journal, so <sighs> feel good about it. Just I absolutely feel good about what we're doing here. So anyway, yeah, so look for it, use it, put it on it put it in your in your uh, in your book reader if you have an iPad, you know, put it in your iBooks and read it and highlight it and mark it and use it. That's what it's there for. And and the nice thing about I got to tell you about the nice thing about the new digital publishing is it makes it possible to get good theology out and good and good solid design out quickly and relatively easily i i don't have to wait for some publisher to pick this up and beg with them oh please you know we want to get this out and we want to make it look good yeah no no we've got it all done here and boy am i excited that just you know did i mention that i was excited yeah anyway tell let's talk about what we're going to talk about on today's edition of fighting for the faith um yeah we're going to continue playing some spiritual absurdity um, apparently, somebody has re- well, a couple of guys have reworked Katy Perry's song "Firework" and and Christianized it. Uh, <laughs> we'll be listening to uh, part of that. Um, let's see. Joel Osteen appeared on uh, the new Piers Morgan show. Uh, Piers Morgan uh, took over for Larry King, and uh, and uh, <laughs> oh, man, I uh, we'll be. Pl- <laughs> Yeah, Piers Morgan, I I think just went for the jugular with uh, with uh, Joel Osteen and his wife Victoria, and uh, they're kind of like the Jim and Tammy Faye of today. And boy, oh boy, was that funny to watch! I've never seen Joel Osteen do the backstroke so quickly, but um, yeah, that we'll be playing audio from that. We've got Stephen Furtick. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna continue to beat up on Stephen Furtick because this guy is not teaching about Christ. He's teaching. Uh, basically, um, that God exists to, um, well, to meet your needs. So, yeah, we'll be playing something from uh, Stephen Furtick today. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Potential Church. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, there's a church out there called Potential Church. By the way, they're not really a church. They're just a potential church. But I don't think they'll ever reach their potential. Uh, they are going to be doing a sermon series entitled Spin the Bottle. Yeah, that's... <laughs> 
Uh, in fact, I should probably uh, play the audio for that because this is talk about spiritual absurdity. Uh, and you can tell that the whole purpose of this is for them to, you know, to let those seekers out there, that, that means unregenerate pagan non-Christians, let them know how relevant the church is. And I mean, wouldn't you really want to go to a church where the pastor talks about spinning the bottle? I mean, I remember playing that as a child and you know what it was really all about? Well, <clears throat> Um, yeah, I just want to let everybody know that uh, if you have little ears in the room, you probably want them to leave right now. Yeah, that's right. It t- yeah, t- turn the volume down because um, this is not um, well. How do I put it? It's not um, uh, safe for little ears, but that's okay because this is all from a church, you know, potential church. Yeah, he- here we go. Hey, you, who wants to play spin the bottle? Yeah, that's their pastor. Well, just kidding. Kind of. We're not talking about the old kissing game. Here at Potential Church, we're putting a new twist on an old spin-the-bottle game. We're talking about the most daring questions you have, and we're giving them bold answers. The answers you're looking for. Is every sexual position okay? Well, some are more pleasurable than others. What? What? Oh, man. I told you, you're not safe. Uh... Yeah, wow, that, that'll that just uh, talk about relevancy for Jesus. I'm sure that'll pack the pew, I mean, uh, seats in the... Uh... Four simple ways for you to ask. Number one, you can go to spinthebottlenow.com and fill out the questionnaire form, or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash potential church, and leave your question on our wall. Will the Miami Heat play it, make it to the playoffs? Or you can text... Spin now your question to 69302. And lastly, tweet, 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 tweet your question to at Potential Church with the hashtag Spin Now. I told you they were easy. Well, the Bible says not to get drunk. And Jesus turned the water into wine. We're going to be collecting all these questions and answering them during our Spin the Bottle series. You got questions? We got answers. And we'll see you at one of our six campuses real soon. Watch out here. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Spin the Bottle Potential Church, which is a church in, uh, I think they're in Florida. Hang on a second here. I got to I gotta double check to make sure they're where they're. Yeah, Cooper City, Florida, Hallandale Beach, Florida, Lima, Peru, <laughs> Miami, Florida, Pensacola, Florida, and the Internet. Yeah, Potential Church. They're going to be doing a... Uh, Sermon series entitled Spin the Bottle, and their pastor is Troy Gramling. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, wow, what a cutting-edge, relevant church they are. They're going to ask the tough question, is every sexual position okay? Oh, man. Yeah, this is when a church ceases to be a church. By the way, they're not really a church. They're just a potential church. I don't think they'll actually ever get promoted to real church status. They're just a potential church. Um, Yeah, apparently their church, though, is all about helping you achieve your God potential. Ah, Why do I get the feeling we're going to end up doing a sermon review from potential church? Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I'll be putting that video at the Museum of Idolatry. Just want to let you all know if you want to find out more about the Spin the Bottle sermon series. You just can't make this stuff up anymore. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. That's that's not that has nothing to do with biblical Christianity. I you know that just has to do with the ego and and uh, fleshly desires and gratification of um, the. <clears throat> so-called pastor there. All right, we're up on our first break. If you would like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so at my email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. More coming up. Yeah. And a good sermon review in hour number two, Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Good in the sack is not the measure of true Christian sanctification. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Try to do parody here at Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, the church continues to just parody itself. Case in point, Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed shofar CD. This is a real commercial. When Rabbi Michael Zeitler blows the shofar, miracles take place. He wants to see God break every stronghold of the enemy in your life, healing you emotionally, physically, even in your relationships, bringing salvation to your entire household. Call now and receive both Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed audio CD, Sound of the Shofar, plus his brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, for a donation of $25. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9081. Listen to this anointed audio CD. Allow God's glory to fill the room as Rabbi Zeitler shares from the scriptures and then blows the shofar over every issue you are facing, including mental and emotional disorders, confusion, fear, stress, grief, nightmares, insomnia, pain, sickness and disease, addictions, eating disorders, weight loss, injustices, persecution, finances, marriages, rebellious children, freedom from the occult and demonic oppression, and so much more. Through Rabbi Zeitler's brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, you will learn how you and your family can obtain supernatural protection in the midst of the end time judgments about to be unleashed on planet earth don't miss out on getting both rabbi michael zeitler's anointed audio cd sound of the shofar plus his brand new prophetic book why israel is supernatural for a donation of 25 dollars shipping and handling is included ask for offer number 9081 call or write today Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. 
Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Warning, Spin the Bottle is not an appropriate sermon series for any pastor. Tells you a lot about the pastor, doesn't it? Need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, your financial contributions, in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. We can, uh, you can partner with us with its partnership I do all the work, you know, put everything together. You enjoy, you grow, you laugh, you cry. It, it all happens here at Fighting for the Faith. And uh, and so you partner with us financially so that we can keep doing what we're doing. And the way you do so, visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Right there in the middle of the page, you will see. I, you scroll down if you don't see it. You'll see two friendly yellow buttons. You know, one says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, what you're doing is signing up to automatically contribute a, sh- a small amount of money, $6.95 on a monthly basis. It doesn't seem like a lot to you, and that's kind of like the whole point. Um, it, it's not a lot, but what it does is is that a lot of people that join our crew and the more people that join our crew makes it so that we it levels out our giving month to month. And makes it so that uh, you know we don't have these peaks and valleys, so that we can properly budget all of our expenses and budget for our growth as we continue to grow. And uh, and boy, we do. Um, anyway, yeah, d- don't tell Stephen Furtick or uh, Perry Noble, but <clears throat> I got a lot more people listening to this program than show up at their church on any given Sunday. Just you know, just saying. Anyway. <laughs> Don't tell them that. I mean, yeah, because if if they knew that, they'd have to invite me to their conferences. And if they if I showed up at their conferences, I'd rain on their parade. Anyway, of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can make a one time contribution by clicking on the donate button, or you can support us traditionally. Yeah, if uh, if for whatever reason you're having problems with PayPal or you don't really particularly like PayPal, we like it. It, it it's so easy to use for us. But what you do then is you just make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then put that in the mail and send it to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Okay, um, <clears throat> prepare to have your ears t- tantalized by... Micah and Wes and their Christianized version <laughs> of Katy Perry, who is a, like a former Christian, and she's a very angry former Christian. But that's okay. They've Christianized her song, Firework. Uh, here we go. Do you ever feel... Like you're deep in sin Think there's no way out Wanting to start again Do you ever feel Feel you can never win 
Like a bowling pin, just gonna fall again. Do you ever feel like there's no way out? Pretend you're fine, but on the inside you're just full of doubt. Well, you should know that there's still a chance for you. Cause Jesus Christ is true. You just gotta accept the life. Oh, completely filled with bad theology, too. Oh, Jesus Christ, he paid the price to save all our lives. Cause Jesus is a firework. He gives light to all the earth. So sing Amen. As we give praise to Him, Him, Him. Yeah, this is about time that you take away the computer and the multimedia devices from the little teeny boppers who think that Christianizing Carrie Perry's, Perry's songs are, yeah, that's relevant. Jesus is our firework. Oh, complete with their girlfriends doing <laughs> hand motions. <laughs> he came to us through virgin birth. So sing amen. You know what's funny? About 10, 15 years from now, they're going to they're gonna hate themselves for doing this. You don't have to feel like you're out of hope. You want to take a sh- <laughs> You know what? Listen to this. Reminds me of a particular scene from the movie Hook. Um, yeah, see if you recognize this. That's Captain Hook saying goodbye. That's me. Are you getting dramatic? Goodbye, Smee. Captain, why don't we play, play your island? Hey? You know, all the little engines and the soldiers and all the lost boys? No stopping me this time, Smee. This is it. Don't make a move, Smee. Not a step. My finger's on the trigger. Don't try to stop me, Smee. Oh, not again. This is it. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't you dare try to stop me this time, Smee. Try to stop me. Smee, you better get up. Get over here, Smee. I'm coming. I'm coming. coming. This is not a joke. I'm committing a suicide. Don't ever frighten me like that again. I'm sorry. Well, I'm some kind of a sadist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How's your feel now? There's no adventure here. You call this no adventure? Death is the only great adventure. (laughs) Death is the only great adventure. (sighs) But there's no bar of soap. But really all you need is Jesus to succeed. If you just let him in. (laughs) All I need is Jesus to succeed. (laughs) Don't try and stop me, Smee. time you'll pray you just gotta accept the life of jesus christ i can't i'd rather be waterboarded stop sorry that's awful thank you for the link
<laughs> that was just terrible. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe this will make me feel better. Uh, here's uh, <laughs> here is um, Piers Morgan and his brand new show on CNN interviewing Joel, <laughs> Joel and Victoria Osteen. Oh, is this fun? I've never, <laughs> never seen Joel Osteen back paddle, back backstroke faster. But uh, but <laughs> boy, Pierce is he's a he's a brutal interviewer. Here, let's, here we go. One of the moral mazes for any preacher, I think, a Christian preacher in particular, is homosexuality. And there's been lots of coverage in the news recently. The, the don't ask, don't tell uh, campaign, obviously. Um, yeah, you know, don't ask, don't tell. I mean, by repealing, don't ask, don't tell apparently it's caused the bird apocalypse just talk to cindy yeah anyway what is your view because it seems to have changed depending on the interview that i've read or seen (laughs) so here we go (laughs) here we go piers morgan uh, now attempting to nail the jello to the wall that is joel osteen this is gonna be good Grab some popcorn, folks. What is your... Is homosexuality a sin in your eyes? Yes, I've always believed Pierce. There it was. Is homosexuality a sin? Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. I've never heard Joel Osteen take such a hard line. And now the backstroke begins. The scripture shows that it's a sin. But, you know, I'm not one of those that are out there to bash homosexuals and tell them that they're terrible people and all that. I mean, there are other sins in the Bible, too. Yeah, there's other ones, too, you you know. (sighs) I think sometimes the church, and I don't mean this critically, but we focus on one issue or two issues, and there's plenty of other ones. So I don't believe his uh, homosexuality is God's best for a person's life. Oh, yeah, that's that's right, (laughs) because Joel Osteen's all about having your best life now. So... Yeah, it's a sin, but, you know, it's just not God's best for you. Oh, boy. Now, (laughs) Piers Morgan, man, he he takes Osteen to task. I... (laughs) This is so good. Sorry, I just... Do I sound like I'm enjoying this too much? Yeah, yeah, let's uh, continue. Yeah. I mean, sin means to miss the mark, but I don't believe being prideful or being... You know, line so, you, you don't normally talk about sin. That's the first time I've actually heard you s- yeah. spell it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, because Joel Osteen doesn't normally spell out S-I-N. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> boy, Piers Morgan has got Joel Osteen dialed in, and he's set his phasers to kill. Oh, boy. Here, Well, Jell Osteen has got a smile on his face. He's going to recover from this, but he continues to do the backstroke. Here we go. Well, you know, it's, it's almost it's, like you've come ready for that question and thought, I'm actually going to say this. Well, I'm going to say it's a sin. I think I'm, I'm grown in my, my knowledge. I mean, those first interviews, I mean, this was all new to me. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't go to seminary. I wasn't raised, I was raised in this, but not in, in front of the camera. But I think this point, people say I don't, I don't talk about sin, but I do talk about how we live our life. 
And yeah, you do talk about how we live our life, Joel. Yes, you do. Now, here's the funny thing is that Joel Osteen is about to make the case that he's not a judgmental person, but Piers Morgan ain't going to be buying it. And you know what? He's right to do so, because if you listen to Joel Osteen's sermons, he preaches nothing but condemning law, you know, because it's all about life, what you're not doing. You know, in, in order to have God's best, you got to be doing the right things, according to Joel Osteen. And he thinks he's not judgmental. He is one of the most judgmental people on, you know, on Christian, quote, uh, television. Making good choices. And at the end of every one of our services, I talk about, the, I believe, the greatest sin, and that's to miss the mark of, of not knowing your creator through so Christ. When you see civil partnerships being sanctioned, you think that's wrong? Well, yeah, I think it's I think it's wrong, but I'm not going to bash those people. I'm not going to be against those people. They're, he, I think it's wrong, but I'm not going to bash them. You just did. They're good people. I say it's wrong because that's what the scripture says. And you know what? I, I choose to live my life by what I what I read in the scripture. You choose to live your life. Law. See, I mean, if I had say a friend of mine like Elton John, yes, watching this at home who with his partner, his civil partner, David Furnish, have just uh, had a surrogate child, which was born on Christmas Day. Now, they're going to be pretty angry what they hear. They're going to think, who are you to call them a sinner? Right, exactly. Who are you to call them a sinner? Uh-huh. Boy, Pierce has got this law thing down, doesn't he? Think about it. Think, you know, who are we to call people sinners, by the way? You, me, anybody else? Who are we to do so? The answer to the question is, well... Yeah, it's it's God's word that calls us all sinners. The, the purpose of the law is to drive us all to our knees and to show us and condemn every single one of us. But Christianity, biblical Christianity doesn't say, "Oh, but that's okay. Just make, you know, get you, you need to clean up your house and get right with God all by yourself on your own efforts and 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 then you live a moral life and then you stop being a sinner." Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, the, the hypocrisy charge comes to play there. No, the Bible teaches that we're all spiritual beggars, that we're all spiritual, you know, paupers. We've got nothing, zero, zilch, nada, no righteousness of our own to offer up to God and, and somehow have God go, oh, look, oh, I'm so pleased with so-and-so. Look at how, the great things that they're doing. Look how righteous they are. Yeah, there is the scripture says there's none righteous, no, not one. And you know, here's the deal. Men, humanity by nature is sinful and at war with God. It's not that they just that they have um that they're kind of like they don't care, you know, they they you know, I don't really care about God one way or another. Who cares? No, 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 no. Man by nature is sinful and at war with God, and they are enemies of God. And so here we've got Piers Morgan literally typifying. There it is right there. Here's that at war with God. Who are you to say I'm a sinner? Okay? Now, Joel Osteen is trying to be nice, but see, the thing is is that Piers Morgan's beef isn't with Joel Osteen. Piers Morgan's beef is with God, okay? 
That's who his beef is. And here, Joel Osteen is supposedly, you know, a Christian preacher. And but and Joel Osteen is supposed to be a representative, an ambassador of the kingdom of God, right? Okay. Well, lousy ambassador he is. Okay, so but yeah, so Joel is trying to, you know, oh well, God isn't all that bad. And no, it's it's you know, no, no, no. No, God God is saying to everybody, homosexual, heterosexual, it doesn't matter. You are a sinner. And God has the right by the fact that he created you to judge you for your sinful rebellion against him, for siding with the devil and pursuing the things that he has told you not to and perverting his creation and turning it into something that it was it's not and it was never meant to be. Okay? And Piers Morgan here, he's got this look on his face, you know, and he's speaking, you know, through the voice of uh, Elton John. Who are you to say I'm a sinner? But man, he's typifying that by nature, dead in trespasses and sins and hostile to God. Listen to it. And here's Joel Osteen trying to navigate that hostility. <laughs> and he's just not doing it. Mistake. They're going to be pretty angry what they hear. They're going to think, who are you to call them a sinner? Yeah. But why are they sinners in your eyes? Well, it's stri- strictly, strictly back to what the Scripture says. I mean, I can't, I can't grab one part and say God wants you to be blessed and live an abundant life and not grab the other part that says, you know what? God wants you to be blessed and live an abundant life. You know, live, live that kind of life. So I just, you know, it comes back to the Scripture. I'm not the judge. You know, God didn't tell me to go around judging everybody. I'm not so sure, though, you see. I- <laughs> listen, 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 this is great. Oh, man. I think you are a kind of judge. Yep, I- that's right. He is. You're right. <laughs> I think you can't abrogate that responsibility. I think because of your influence. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe I got to watch that for free. Oh, my goodness. Pierce has just got – he is not letting him out. He's got – if this were wrestling, he's got the sleeper hold on Joel Osteen. There's 7 million, 8 million viewers every Sunday. When you say things like homosexuality is a sin, it's a big statement to make. You are a judge, and you're encouraging your congregation to well, believe it's that. Not the, it's not the – it's the people that we're after. Now notice, Piers Morgan. Hostile to God, hostile to the judgment of God, that it's a sin, okay? Hostile to God. And now he's trying to make the case, no, 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 you're responsible for propagating this position. And you are, right, exactly. There it is, right there. The true, hostile, pagan confronting the person who's supposed to be speaking for God, speaking the oracles of God. And, you know, Joel Osteen, of course, his fallback position, well, this is what the scriptures teach, but I, I don't want to be the judge. Well, you are being the judge. You're, you're representing the one who's judging the world and saying that everybody's a sinner. Oh, this is, this is brilliant, man. We're not, we're not looking at their sin. We're not trying to judge their sin. We're trying to encourage them. And, <laughs> and there's uh, Victoria Osteen. Yeah, not the sharpest theological tool in the drawer. And, and let them know that we what? love them and that, you know what, you're only going to you're only gonna reach people by reaching out to them. Yeah, but I'm curious. And, you know, like if Elton John was sitting here to, today, say man, to I'd say, I love you, Elton John. You are talented. Well, I can you tell you, he's so not going to say the gifts. same. <laughs> you have, you know, yeah, but he's not going to so, say to you, I don't like the way you lead your lives. Well, I mean, what, what I'm saying is I, we're, we're not tr- judging the 
person. Yeah. You know, and that's why. Which is a lame position. We're not judging the person. We're judging sin. Uh, well, who, who is God going to throw into hell? The person or the sin? Hmm? You say that, you know, he's not saying sin, but it's yeah, like. But you we are judging the person, aren't you? Aren't you? Well, to me, I just, I'm not, I'm not the one to judge and say, you know, who's bad and who's good. Otherwise, you'd have... Uh, Joel, you have been given the oracles of God, and God's word says none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, so... Uh, what's the point of, you know... <clears throat> Quoting the Bible to Joel Osteen seems like a fruitless endeavor, don't you think? I have to go through everybody, you know, every, every one of us and say, well, you know what? I got some pride or I've got, uh, I had an evil thought the other day. Those are sins. <laughs> I had an evil thought the other day. Oh, boy, that sounds so humble, doesn't it? But no, it doesn't. That's just pure arrogance. You had a, you had a sinful thought the other day. <sighs> I don't know that God is judging sins on different levels, but we pick out that one. So, I mean, our message, if, I mean, you know, if you listen to my message, they're about lifting people up. And so it's not, yeah, I mean, I really talk about the homosexuality when we get on the interviews. Yeah, but I'm curious, what, what, what would you say to a homosexual watching this? Yeah, the, would you say the thing that Jesus told them to say, you know, that told us to say, repent of your sins, be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ and bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. Would you say that, Joel? I somehow I don't think that that's what's going to come out of his mouth next. What do you do? How do they change? What do they have to do to change to be better people? What do they have to change to be better people? Did you hear that? What's the assumption there? That the law is the solution. That's all that Piers Morgan knows. Why? Because the law of God is written on his heart, Romans 1 says. So he thinks the solution is the thing that's condemning him, the law. It's not. It's the gospel. It's the free forgiveness of sins won by Christ and his shed blood on the cross that propitiates the wrath of God. Propitiates the wrath of God towards sinners. Not some bifurcated, oh, well, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. No, Christ died for sinners. He died for our sins. He was in our place, take, basically taking the wrath of God upon himself. And he calls homosexuals, heterosexuals, liars, cheaters, idolaters, thieves, and coveters, and other whatevers to repent. With the good news that he's canceled their debts to God through the shed blood of Christ. Now let's see if Joel Osteen you know, preaches the gospel here. Why do I not think that's what's going to happen here? Oh, I believe it's a—I don't know that I understand it all. I believe it's a process, but I, I believe that God— So it's a process where we make ourselves <clears throat> better people. ...can give us grace to change. We've seen people break addictions and do other things as well. So. Yeah, but addictions—I mean, look, I don't want to bang on about this, but the, an addiction to alcohol or drugs or something is one thing. You know, being gay, you're gay. There's not much you can do about it, is uh, No, no, actually, no, no. You're born male or female. Gay is not a third category. Gay is a sin. It's a perversion of whatever God made you, male or female. Well, some, I don't believe it's something you choose to be. I don't think Elton John woke up one day and went, I think I quite fancy being gay today. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, don't, I don't know. So I don't isn't know. It, isn't it, it's much harder than just an average addiction. 
Yeah, I don't, it, it is. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult subject. issue. I, I don't. I don't understand all the answers, and but I just come back to the what I read in the scripture. I can't ignore that. I don't. I'm saying it again. I don't know that I understand it all. Well, you ignore a, a whole bunch of God's word. You know. <clears throat> Glad that at least you're, you know, you try to be faithful to that part. But I come back to this. We're four people. It's not going to do any good to, you know, bash people and say you're second class or you're this. I'm, I'm not, you know, we have gay people that come to our church and sit there. We have people from different faiths. And so it's an issue that, um, you know, it's a hard issue. And I don't know that I fully understand it. Well, there you have it. <clears throat> Backpedaling backpedaling by uh, poor Joel. Uh, yes, it's a sin. Bye, bye, bye. I thought Pierce did a fantastic job. Wow. He's a tough interviewer. I would really love to uh, sit across the table from Piers Morgan. I think that would be a, it would be an entertaining interview. If for one, if for only this, that, um, yeah, you're not going to get the waffly answers uh, <clears throat> from somebody like me. All right, moving along here. You know what? Uh, the, every time I've asked uh, my audience for suggestions for segment music music you know like when we have somebody who appears on the program regularly what i generally try to do is have some kind of intro music to you know introduce them you know with uh, perry noble it's uh, it's that song from um, the the movie bedknobs and broomsticks it doesn't really matter what i say what i say as long as i say it with a flair uh, with uh, Patricia King and and the folks that from the XP Media and Extreme Prophetic website, it's the uh, Fractured Fairy Tales. With uh, William Tapley, it's REMs. It's the end of the world as we know it. You know, I I need uh, a, a music suggestion, segue suggestion for Stephen Furtick, uh, the author of Stun's Sun Stand Still, who uh, who really. <clears throat> Does a fine bang up job of uh, um, singing about him, uh, pre- pre- preaching about himself, and and what audacious faith he has. Um, so you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe Frank Sinatra's "I Did It My Way," but that's kind of overdone. I mean, if if you have any uh, segment, you know, intro segment uh, topic ideas, you know, send them to me. And uh, hopefully, some you know, one, one, somebody will find the the right button to press for that. You know, for like Bill Johnson, where you know somebody suggested the X Files, perfect suggestion. So, anyway, I, I'm looking for something for Stephen Furtick because uh, I, I get the feeling he's going to be making regular appearances now that he's a televangelist. I don't know if you didn't, if I have I mentioned that on the air. He actually now is uh, broadcasting his sermons in the Charlotte, North Carolina area on television. So Stephen Furtick has a, is officially a tele-evangelist, which explains why he has to pay 300 bucks a week for his Justin Bieber haircut um, updates. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> here's um, Stephen Furtick uh, talk, talking about his uh, Sun Stand Still book, but uh, I want you to hear this. The Sun Stand message is all about audacious faith. What happens when you dare to ask God for the impossible? Now, um, hang on a second. Um, By the way, I just, I have a logical biblical question, okay? If I go into my Accordance program, I'm a Macintosh user, um, and I type in the word impossible, okay? Um, let's see here. Uh, and I do a search in the New Testament. Okay. Um, 
I, I come across uh, Matthew chapter 19. If you have your Bible, flip on over to Matthew chapter 19. And it, I, I have a logical question that I want to ask based upon this text. Um, uh, here we go. Matthew chapter 19, starting at verse 16. Follow along for a second and work with me here. Um, Behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Okay. Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is no one who is good. If you would enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Now, Jesus is preaching pure law here, man. Okay, this Jesus isn't saying you're justified by your works. No, Jesus at this point is applying the law to basically expose this guy's sin because he thinks he's self-righteous. And apparently, you know, the law isn't giving him the um, <clears throat> the um, satisfaction or the comfort that he was hoping for because he's still perplexed. You know, have I done enough? Mm-hmm. So he said to him, well, which ones? Jesus said, well, you you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice all these commandments are second table, the table that deals with our loving of our neighbor. Jesus didn't mention a single one regarding the first table of the law, which has to do with loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, the young man said to him, well, I've kept all of those. What do I still lack? <clears throat> First table. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell all that you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. First table. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall have no other gods before me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What does that tell you about who his God really was? Money. So Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were astonished greatly, saying, "Well, well, then who can be saved? You know, aren't the rich people blessed of God? Jesus looked at them. He said, with man, this is impossible. Listen again. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Yeah, in the New Testament, the category of impossibility comes to saving yourself by your works, or for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. With man, that is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Which kind of, with that kind of as our framework, coming back to uh, Stephen Furtick here and his uh, $300 Justin Bieber haircut, um, we've got a a question that needs to be asked. Um, Is he focusing on the right impossibilities because here's the deal. Jesus himself says, with God, all things are possible. In other words, praying for the suns to stand still, that ain't impossible. Not to God. So praying for the impossible, um, in the category of Jesus' way of looking at things, the impossibility comes to a man saving himself. So the really important prayer is the prayer of the, well, say the 
tax collector, uh, the Pharisee, not the Pharisee, but the tax collector in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember that story? You got the tax collector, you know, literally on his knees, can't even look up to heaven. He's so ashamed of himself. And then you got the Pharisee over there looking at the tax collector and going, oh, God, thank you that I'm not like that guy over there. Oh, that tax collector. Thank you, Lord, that I am so righteous, that I have such an audacious faith that I, you know, tie the uh, 10% of everything that I get, including down to my spices. Yep, ten to, even down to the, sp- the spices in my herb garden. Oh, thank you that I'm not like that wretched sinner tax collector over there, right? Boy, talk about audacious faith. Yeah, that Pharisee sure did seem to have that in spades, didn't he? But then the uh, ta- the uh, tax collector can't even look up to heaven, and he does something that really is... is <clears throat> emasculating himself culturally. He beats his breast. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and, and Jesus says of the tax collector that he left justified, declared righteous. Not the, ta- not the Pharisee, but the tax collector did. The tax collector left justified. You see, with God, all things are possible. So possible that even a tax collector can be declared righteous by the shed blood of Christ. You see, that's the real the biblical categories of impossible and possible, at least in the New Testament teachings of Jesus. So I, I think Furtick is kind of, well distracted away from uh, from what he really should be focusing in on. Just, you know, just um, I've noticed, but let's continue. Depends when you dare to ask God for the impossible. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. Nothing is too difficult for God. Let's be a generation known for what we stand for. Let's be a generation known for what we love. Let's be a generation that represents the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Yeah, not, not, not that we represent Jesus Christ, but apparently the high, let's be for what we stand for, not, not who we believe in. Huh? Yeah. The, the focus is in the wrong place. Or as Dr. Rosenblatt likes to say, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. We are a generation that will restore honor. We are a generation who will restore honor. Yeah. Boy, how great we are. I mean, unfortunately, most Christians don't live on that level. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, can you yeah, know, how terrible. Most Christians carry with them a chronic ache of the ordinary. Does oh, yeah, that terrible ordinary. Yeah, we suffer from a bad case of ordinary. My life really matter. Could my marriage ever really truly be fulfilling? Could I ever possibly make a difference with my limited potential? And could I, could I, could I? Yeah, it sounds like Satan in, in Isaiah. I will ascend to the highest mountain. I will make my throne. Yeah, I. I will do this and I will do that. And yeah, me, 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 me. My lack of experience. We're going to take the message of sun stand still faith and teach people. How- yeah, by the way, the Bible doesn't teach sun stand still faith. It teaches faith in the God who can cause the sun to stand still. To pray audacious prayers so that they can be a part of a move of God in our one of the wonderful things. Oh, so yeah, if you learn how to pray a sun, you can be part of a move of God. Apparently, God is the one move. God's the one who's creating the whole sun standstill movement for Stephen Furtick so he can talk about himself. 
secrets about being a young guy is that I'm full of passion and I haven't yet learned that there's... Yeah, you're full of yourself. There's such thing as impossibility. You haven't learned. You, 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 yeah. I believe God has designed and wired every believer to live that way. We want to walk people practically. I believe. I believe. No, where does it say that in the Bible? I believe that God has wired everybody to be this way. Where does it say that in the scriptures, sir? I'm not interested in your opinions and your theology. Yeah, which should be called not furticology, but meology. That's what somebody wrote me in an email today. Practically through not only how do you believe God for the impossible, but how do you take action steps toward the impossible? How do you take action steps? Really, where does the Bible teach the, 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 that you can take action steps towards the impossible? You've heard the voice of God speak vision into your life. Oh, brother. You've heard the voice of God speech, speak vision into your life. It's like he hangs out in the outer orbit of the Patricia King gang. But what you're seeing isn't matching up with what you've heard. And I want to speak to you and encourage you that when there's nothing to see and there's just a cloud the size of a man's hand, that God is active and busy and capable in your life. Because without the willingness... Yeah, to- God is capable of you know, fulfilling the vision that he laid on your heart. Yeah, here we go. Innovative vision casters. Um, yeah, this is just a bad, bad version of uh, charismatic Pentecostalism run amok. Act. You really don't have a vision at all for your life. You have a daydream. Oh, yeah. I don't have a vision. I have a daydream. Where does the Bible teach any of this, Stephen? I want to teach people how to isolate the sun standstill vision that God has for their life. Oh, really? You're going to teach people in your book how to isolate the sun standstill vision that God has for their life? Really, where does the Bible teach that everybody has a sun standstill vision? And how is it that you've discovered the secrets of isolating it so that we can make so that we can take steps towards seeing it be you know come into existence? And then pursue that radically through sacrifice, through faith, through prayer, by grace. We've seen this message. There's no grace in this, it's pure law. It's trans the lives of teenagers in our church. Don't you ever let anyone talk you out of what God put in you. If he's- Don't you ever let anyone talk out of you what God has put in you. Yeah, you're focusing on the wrong thing, Stephen. You're supposed to be focusing in on Christ. Spoken, he will fulfill it. If everybody leaves you, he'll send you seven times more. He'll send you focus on it on your life. Better people and new people and fresh people. Yeah, get rid of the people in your life that don't agree with your sun stand still vision. Find people that'll that'll support you in your sun stand still me centered vision. Who will support you and hold you up? I've seen sun stand still faith take marriages that were just one signature away from divorce court and elevate them to a resurrected state in Christ. I believe they're really uh, will those two people be going to heaven because they've repented of their sins and trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins or will they just really enjoy marital marital bliss until they die and then go to hell. There is hope. I believe that if you're still breathing, there's potential for God to move mountains. And it starts with just a little bit 
of faith. What happens when you dare to ask God for the impossible? He has the... But with God, all things are possible. So there's no such thing as asking God for the impossible. Ability to act if we have the audacity to act. And I can't wait to share this message of audacious faith with the world. Yeah, it's audacious, narcissistic, me-centered, completely unbiblical, twisted, self-focused. It's not theology. It's verticology. Uh, that's meology. That's narcissisticology. Yeah, that's unbelievable. You're scratching itching ears there, uh, Stephen, rather than doing your job. You're pointing people to themselves rather than to their Savior, Jesus Christ. And you turn Jesus into somebody who exists only for their for you know to meet the needs of their life. And what's lost in all of this? The cross. Christ and him crucified for your sins. This is a different gospel. This is a completely different gospel. And this is basically turning Jesus into your cosmic genie. Unbelievable. All into the name of quote sun stand still faith and audacious faith. Yeah, no, it's it's audacious, all right. It's audacious and rebellious. That's what it is. All right, we're up on our second break. When we come back, fantastic sermon from Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley. You don't want to miss it. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back. God doesn't need your good works, your neighbor needs them. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, frenzy, turning for the written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low 
prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. We're back, hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. We've got a good sermon today. This is going to be uh, one of two. We're going to play two Pastor Charmley sermons, but we're only playing one today. So I just want to let you know I've got there's a balance that I owe you at the end of this edition of Fighting for the Faith, and that is another Pastor Charmley sermon. Pastor Charmley uh, sent me a couple of emails uh, saying that he had some sermons that were correctives to the bad preaching uh, of... Um, Byron Bledsoe regarding um, uh, King David. And so um, let me just uh, do this. the bad and the ugly we review it all here at fighting for the faith we are an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service today's sermon comes to us from the uk from bethel evangelical free church in hanley stoke on trent pastor gervais nicholas edward charmley presiding the text is taken from first samuel chapter 21 the name of the sermon is the message of the holy things Pastor Charmley, after hearing Byron Bledsoe's terrible sermons regarding David at Nob, and he pronounces it no, but that's okay. I, maybe yeah, he's right. Maybe it's just a British thing. I don't know. But anyway, he, uh, he, Pastor Charmley emailed me, and he gave me two sermons as the antidote to uh, Byron Bledsoe's miserable handling of that text. And uh, we're going to play them both, one today and one in a future edition of Fighting for the Faith. So the name of this sermon, again, it is um, The Message of the Holy Things. Oh, is this a great sermon. Both of them are brilliant. And folks, this is what it means. When you listen to the Pastor Charmley preach, this is a man who takes the time to dig into the text and to show us what's going on in the text, to show us Christ. He preaches the law to condemn us of our sins, and he preaches the gospel to offer us the comfort of the forgiveness of sins won by Jesus on the cross. Oh, and he does it humbly. He does it brilliantly. Yeah, I, I, I guarantee you there will never be a time in Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley's life where he's going to do a sermon series entitled Spin the Bottle. Yeah, because the Bible doesn't have a spin the bottle game in it. The Bible has far more important things to deal with. And, you know, like condemning the sins of those who play spin the bottle. Let me kill this. Love the ukulele choir there. Anyway, uh, so without any further ado, here is uh, Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley, the message of the holy things. Here we go. 
scripture reading is found in the first book of the prophet Samuel, 1 Samuel and chapter 21, 21st chapter of the first book of Samuel, which follows on directly from the persecution of David by Saul and Saul's forcing David to flee from him. So that is 1 Samuel and chapter 21. Now David came to know to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business, and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you, or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David asked the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel of this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread, which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdmen, which belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not on hand a spear or sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, There it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart, and was very much afraid of Achish the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the door of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? Have you brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And we trust God's blessing to rest on the reading of his holy book. Singing that hymn, we are reminded of days long gone in the 18th century when daily life for most people in this country was a struggle and people singing Newton's hymn Begone Unbelief would know 
what it was like to day by day not know where your next meal was coming from and to know the, the uncertainty of life most people in that day and age died before the age of 60 and it speaks of a kind of Christianity that is quite unfashionable today certainly I do not think John Newton would have got a spot on most Christian television channels today with that theology with the idea that the Christian might very well be in a position where he would be tempted to think that Christ would leave him to sink in the midst of trouble but what a blessing that him is to those of us who know what it is like to be uncertain as to our next move well that was the kind of him that King David would have rejoiced in at the time recorded in our chapter 1 Samuel and chapter 21 our text is words at the beginning of verse 10 then David arose and fled that day from before Saul we have David fleeing and just as Mr. Newton says Christ has promised us eternal life he has not promised us an easy life that's right. Christ has promised us eternal life. He has not promised us an easy life. Oh, boy. This is going to be a great antidote to Byron Bledsoe, and I think Stephen Furtick, too. Let's continue. In our Lord's parable of the rich man of Lazarus, it is the man who has the easy life, who dies and opens his eyes in hell, and it is the man who had the hard life who enjoys the eternal blessings of heaven Christ has promised us eternal life not an easy life and we look at the metaphors that the Apostle Paul uses for the Christian life he compares it to an athlete in the Olympic Games who has to train hard and you look, if you watch athletics on television, you look at the faces of the athletes as they strain every muscle to get to the end of the race, to win the race. And you see the disappointment on the face of the athlete who loses, who doesn't make it to the end because of muscle cramp or something. You see the strain on the face of the runner in the marathon, and that is what the Christian life is, a marathon, not a sprint. And then he uses the metaphor of a soldier, not a soldier who is always training, not a soldier at home, but a soldier on campaign, like our soldiers in Afghanistan today, and they must suffer hardship, far away from family, facing death every day that is the soldier's life, a hard life and these are the metaphors that the Apostle Paul picks to describe the Christian life 
And Jesus says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So Jesus actually compares the Christian to a man who is sentenced to death on his way to the place of execution, bearing the very implement by which he is to be put to death. And of course Jesus himself, we look at his life, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as the prophet foretold. He had nowhere to lay his head, he had no home of his own, he was dependent upon other people to provide shelter for him. His possessions when he was executed amounted to the clothes he stood up in, and that is all that he had. He suffered, he was hated, he was persecuted, and of course he was finally put to death. And then we see David here, and so we see in our, our chapter desperation first of all. Secondly we have a reminder of destiny, and thirdly we have a deliverance. Desperation, destiny and deliverance are our three headings. First of all we have desperation. Now David was, humanly speaking, a champion, a hero in the eyes of Israel. Here was the man who was God's anointed first of all. He knew that. The apostle, the prophet Samuel knew that. He had been anointed, chosen by God to be king over Israel. The most famous part of David's life, of course, is victory over Goliath, the great champion of the Philistines, the man who was the champion of Gath, this nine-foot-tall giant in the latest military technology. And David, with a sling, and with God guiding the pebble, and the strength of God behind him, and faith in God in his heart, triumphed over the giant, and slew him, and won a wonderful victory, delivered Israel. And he was loved. They rejoiced in David and in redemption through him. He had married a princess. He was in the royal family by marriage. Here was a man, surely, who was a success story. And he was a man who lost it all. Because the king hated him and sought to put him to death. Even though David was a humble man, he had been anointed king over Israel, and yet instead of saying, God has anointed me, as later in the history of Israel there would be a a man called Jehu who was anointed king and immediately went out and led a revolution. David was anointed king and said, let God take Saul away in his time. Saul was a rebel who had rejected God, who had set himself up over God's nation, who had seized power. When you say, how come a man who is the anointed king seized power in the same way that Adolf Hitler, who was the president of Germany, could seize power? Because you see, Hitler was president of Germany under a constitution which he 
annulled and appointed himself supreme leader. In the same way Saul was king under a divine constitution which he sought to annul and to declare himself to be the high king which only God could be. But instead of saying, well Saul has rebelled, he has disqualified himself, and so I am anointed, I can get rid of him, David said, I will wait for God to remove him in his own due time. And nevertheless, Saul hated him and tried to kill him. And so we see him at the beginning of this chapter coming to the city of Nob, to Ahimelech, the high priest. A man who is persecuted came to the city of the priests and that was a natural move to make. Here was a whole city full of people who were dedicated to God, whose whole lives, their whole lives revolved around the service and worship of God. These were God's people. Even in a special way in Israel they were God's people. They represented the people before God and God before the people. Here were men whose whole lives were based upon the grace of God. Because you see the whole sacrificial system was the grace of God. The priest was the man who bore ritually the sins of Israel and laid them upon the sacrificial animal and then slew the animal in the place of the sinner declaring God's mercy that he would accept a substitute rather than putting to death the sinner. Here were men dedicated to mercy and here were men who out of the tithe that they received gave to those in need men of mercy and so David goes to the men God's men of mercy wow wow that is amazing pointing out that Ahimelech the priest the high priest and all those serving with them are men of mercy they're performing the duties of the forgiveness of sins nice Nice, nice. To receive help and mercy as he is persecuted, seeking the two things he needed most. He needed food and a weapon. Food for his physical needs and a weapon to defend himself should he be attacked. And all he was seeking was his needs. And so he came to the city of Nob. And so we come to our second point, which is destiny. David was a fugitive, fleeing from a wicked king. And all he sought was food and a weapon. What God gave him through the priest were reminders of the love of God towards him. He got not simply human mercy, but mercy from God, because he received two things, holy bread and a holy weapon. He received, first of all, holy bread. It so happened, by the providence of God, 
that the only bread available in the city, the only bread you could get from a Himalayan, the high priest, and remember there's a man on the run who wants to associate with as few people as possible. And as it would turn out later on, as it turns out later on in the, in the history, those who were associated with David were murdered for that association. So he was quite wise to want to have contact with as few people as possible. So he has contact with Ahimelech, the priest. And the only thing Ahimelech had in terms of food was the holy bread, the showbread, which was laid before the Lord. Twelve loaves, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And then the day after it had been laid out fresh before God, it was eaten by the high priest and the families of the priests. And all that was left, all that there was to eat, was that holy bread that had been laid before the Lord. That was an offering. But you see, all the offerings are declarations of the mercy of God. Because they are saying this, that God, rather than punishing us for our sin, has set up a way, as we sang, that man can rise to his sublime abode, that we can come to God through the means that he has set out. There's compassion. And this holy bread is being given, though Ahimelech does not realize it, to a holy man. Because you see, holiness, biblically, the first, the primary meaning of holiness is not to be morally good, but it is to belong to God. That which is holy is that which belongs to God. <laughs> and this would explain why David is not condemned, because David belongs to God. He is set apart, holy unto the Lord. Oh, oh this is great. Oh. The person who is holy is a person who belongs to God. So we can say that all Christians, every Christian, is a holy person. If you are a believer in Christ tonight, you are holy. You are holy. Now you may say, but I, and you probably will say, but I have sinned. Ah, but you are holy because you belong to God, because you have been purchased by the precious blood of Christ. You are a holy person if you are a Christian. The writer, the Apostle Paul says to Christians, you have been sanctified. That is, you have been set apart as God's special people. The Apostle Peter says you are a to use the authorised version, a peculiar people, a people specially belonging to God, a holy people, a holy priesthood. So if you're a Christian, tonight you are a holy person, because you are God's, and you are set apart for Him, and for His service. And so, the holy bread is given to David because he has been set apart, anointed by God to a special holy position as the king of God's people. Christians are set apart 
And the holy bread is given to him to remind him of this, that he is a holy person. And that is why, to apply this text to the Christian, we take of holy bread week by week at the Lord's table. That bread is holy bread, not because it's been baked in a special way, in a special oven, not because it has been blessed by a priest, but because it's set apart for a special purpose. It is set apart for the communion service. And it is given to God's people. And we are one people, one body, because we all eat of the one holy bread set apart for the holy body of God's people. And when we come to the table, it tells us, it reminds us, you are a holy people. You are purchased as a holy people by the death of Christ, that broken body on the tree that the bread tells about in the communion. And the blood poured forth that the cup speaks of. And so it tells us you are holy, set apart by the precious death of Christ for you and for your salvation. You wonder about the love of God. You think my situation is so hard, so difficult. I am suffering in need of the holy bread. The holy cup on the table tells you this. And they're given to you, and you are told, take, eat. This is my body, says Christ, it is given for you. And this is my blood, he says, it is shed for you. And he is telling you, you are my holy child. This is the blood of your redemption. This is the body that was broken for your salvation. Oh, oh man. Wow, is this good? <laughs> Amen. You are mine, and my love for you continues. This is why we observe the supper, we observe the memorial of Christ's death until he comes. Because until he comes, we do not see his body. We sing and we say and we, we believe. Mr. Spurgeon says, amidst us our beloved stands and bids us view his pierced hands. But we do not see him, but we see the emblems, the holy bread and the holy wine that tell us that we are the Lord's. He invites us to come. He invites us to come. And then we have the holy weapon. David asked for a sword, and the only sword there was, was Goliath's. Now, say, why is that a holy weapon? Because it was in the temple. It was laid up in the temple of the Lord. Laid up. Now, this was not, of course, the formal temple, but it was acting as the temple, the place of sacrifice. And because it was laid up, in God's house, it was a holy weapon. It had been a weapon of evil used against God's people, but it was now a holy weapon. And this holy weapon communicates, first of all, the redemption. 
that God has worked for his people. How would this weapon come to be holy? It had come to be holy because David had been used as the redeemer of God's people to kill the enemy that they could not kill, to fight the battle that no one else could fight in God's strength. And here was a declaration of God's redeeming power. And that God had delivered him from the Philistine. God had delivered him from Goliath. The declaration of God's love in time past was found in that holy weapon. A declaration of God's redeeming power. And as we sang, you see, his love in time past forbids me to think. He leave me at last in trouble to sink. If God has begun a good work in us, then he will certainly, the apostle tells us, complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. God does not abandon his workmanship. They tell me that on Easter Island, you would have seen the great statues they have on Easter Island, they tell me that in the quarries there, there are half-finished statues that were never completed. The workmen began the work but never finished it. God has no unfinished statues. He works his way through and he finishes the work. The Lord Jesus Christ has no unfinished business. He cried on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. He worked salvation through and therefore the Christian is not left in doubt as to whether God will complete it but says he who has begun a good work in me will complete it because God is able to finish the work Jesus told that parable of the king who begins to build a tower but cannot finish it and such buildings exist There are many churches, church buildings. There's one in Olsager, you go along and you see Mary Magdalene's church in Olsager. You go to the, if you go to the west end of St. Mary's in Olsager, you will see a stump of a tower that they planned to build, but they ran out of money. See, they could not complete the work. They wanted to complete the work, but they couldn't. God has all power. Jesus Christ has all authority, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. He has all power. He can complete the work. Your salvation is not your work. It is entirely his. And therefore, by Christ's victory on the cross of Calvary, just as this holy weapon spoke of David's victory over Goliath. So we are reminded both by the communion and by the word of God, the sword of the spirit, of Christ's victory on Calvary. And if Christ has been victorious over his foes, then the believer is safe and secure. For Christ has said that I give to my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. See, he will make it quite, quite plain. The Christian cannot perish. Why? 
Because, as another hymn writer puts it, he, Christ, will never, never leave us, nor will let us quite leave him. If it was up to us, then we would fall. We would not stand a moment. But it is not up to us, it is up to Christ. So my salvation, your salvation, Christian, is sure, because it is Christ's work. These holy things tell us that God loves us still. Just as these holy things given to David speak to him that God still loves him and he is still God's king, no matter what anybody else may do. Christian, you are God's. No matter what the world may say or do, you are God's. You are holy, you are his. And so we see deliverance. Deliverance. Many people speaking on this passage would talk about David's deceit. But that is not a major theme here. It's simply, it is mentioned as a fact. There is no judgment. It simply happens. And after all, with Ahimelech, he was seeking to save a man's life. Because as it turns out, indeed, Saul would, have, Saul would kill anyone who was associated with David. He was trying to give Ahimelech the ability to deny but then we have David's plan. David has the plan, he says, verse 10, in verse 10, he went to Achish, the king of Gath. Why? To hire himself out as a mercenary. He was a warrior, a soldier, rejected unjustly and wickedly by his own king. What else would he do but go and hire himself out some other king? There was his plan for security. And you see, this is what the Christian does sometimes in times of trial. We are, like David, we look for some worldly way of security. That hymn that we sang, that begone unbelief, there's a, a verse which I've noticed has been changed. The verse 2, it's... It says in, our, in this hymn book, Though plans be all broken and creatures all fail, of course the original it's cisterns, referring to the scripture speaking of God's people hewing out broken cisterns that can hold no water. But you see, plans that we have are like those broken cisterns. It looks like this will provide water, but there's a crack. All the water will flow out David's plan here. It looked like it would provide a living for him as a hired mercenary, but God says, no, it is not the way. And he must return to Israel as an outlaw to give hope to the people under Saul's oppression and increasing tyranny. I'm going to pause there for a second. Do you notice how he weaves hymns into his sermons? I, I think the way Pastor Charmley weaves in stanzas from very good hymns speaks of the good theology that has existed in hymns and uh, tells us why we ought not chuck them out in favor of 7-Eleven, ooey-gooey, Jesus is my bearded girlfriend, uh, praise songs. 
Pastor Charmley constantly refers his parishioners back to the theology in their hymnals. Good thing to be doing, singing the great doctrines of the Christian faith. For you see, the true deliverance of God's people is not necessarily a deliverance from trial. God has not said, I will make sure that you never pass through the fire and never pass through the water, but he has said, when you pass through the fire, I will be with you. And when you pass through the water, we have the promises, you see, it will not overwhelm you. And what good came out of this? Here is David pretending to be a lunatic to escape what good, we ask, came out of David going to Gath. Well, we sang a part of the good that came out of it in hymn number 5 from Psalm 34. The good that came out of it was praise unto God. Praise in two places. Psalm 56 is the first one. When the Philistines captured David in Gath, and these headings of the Psalms are original. They've always, as far as we can tell, been part of this. It may be in small print in your Bible, but this is inspired. This is part of the Hebrew original text. That this was a, a mikhtam of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath. Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up, fighting all day he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? What can this persecuting king? All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps. When they lay in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity. In anger cast down the peoples of God. You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. If God be for us, who shall be against us, says the Apostle? In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? What good came from David going down to Gath? But he discovered where his true deliverance and his true hope, his true help was. And Psalm 34, that wonderful psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, many verse 19 of Psalm 34 many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all, he guards all his bones not one of them is broken 
evil shall slay the wicked and all those and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned the Lord redeemed the soul of his servants and none of those who trusted him shall be condemned deliverance and you see David would go through many more trials much more suffering and God will deliver him from all of those as well. The Christian goes through much tribulation and enters into the kingdom of God. Deliverance in God. So we see how it is true that the way of the righteous is not easy. But it is blessed because the Lord is with him all the way. In the desperation of David we see how the Christian suffers and will suffer but his God's nevertheless we have the reminder of the destiny of God the destiny of God's people rather to be with him forever and the reminders that we have in the holy things in the Lord's Supper the bread and the wine is a such a blessing to have that visible word it doesn't have any special magical efficacy of the Roman Catholics think it's a blessing to faith there is a blessing to God's believing people when they take the communion there is a, a true communion that's why we call it the communion between the believing soul and Christ at the table and those who stay away from the Lord's table are depriving themselves of blessing not of eternal life but of blessing that is given in that word, that visible word given to faith. Not to unbelief, but to faith. Now let me add to this. Uh, Pastor Charmley and I, it, it sounds like we have a, a different theology of the Lord's Supper. And I would say that the Lord's Supper truly is a blessing, and he's right. It's a blessing that is apprehended and seized onto by faith. And the secret to it is found in these words— Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. The sacraments are to be run through the gospel. They are pure gift and they deliver what they promised, the body and blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, and it all strengthens our faith. For there is that reminder of the world old, Mr. Rutherford puts it, Oh, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is my heat brings a poor vile sinner into his house of wine. I stand upon his merit. I know no other stand, not even where glory dwelling in Emmanuel's land. These holy things communicate the gospel to us, the gospel of redemption in Christ. And you see, this is a great blessing when we realize the gospel, because the gospel is all free gift. This is what God gives. That's the gospel. It's God giving his son for us as our redeemer, 
And in the gospel he gives and he gives and says, Who, whoever will let him come. Whoever wishes to trust in the Lord Jesus is welcome. He says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That is the gospel, it is karmic, it is free gift, his eternal life for a look at the crucified one. That is the gospel. And that is what these holy things speak. And Christians, we need to hear the gospel day by day. It's not your level of growth in grace that tells you that you are Christ's. It is his word. It is his emblems. It is his holy bread and his holy word that tell and that assure you of who you are in him. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Wow. You see, our position is not dependent upon what we do. It's all dependent upon what he has done for us. And assurance comes in considering Christ for us. And looking to the cross where God is for us. Looking at the manger in Bethlehem, God with us. The gospel is for Christians. And it's the only way that we will have joy and assurance is by coming daily to the gospel of Christ. That is why it is such a good thing that we have the Lord's Supper every week here. Speaking of the gospel to assure Christians, to help Christians. The gospel is for us, the word and the sacrament are words about the gospel. And here is the deliverance, you see, deliverance of the blood of Christ, deliverance from ourselves, from our sin, from our plans, deliverance into faith, the faith that looks to Christ and says, you have spoken, I am yours. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is God, for he is God indeed. Um. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. I should do a sermon cage fight next time with uh, between Byron Bledsoe and Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley. I mean, Byron Bledsoe doesn't stand a chance. Oh, my goodness. Why? Not because Pastor Charmley is such a brilliant guy, but because Pastor Charmley preaches his great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, died and risen again for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. Pastor Charmley took 1 Samuel chapter 21 and pointed us back to Christ. Wow. Need I say more? Need to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, your financial contributions, in order to continue bringing this important radio outreach to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us financially by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. Pick one. 
support us financially as you continue to grow and be edified and laugh and cry and learn through the uh, through the work that we do here at Fighting for the Faith. Now, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.